Hello and welcome to a brand new edition of Nerd Thug Sports. This is Corey DLG and with me as usual, little brother Nico. It's me. Alright, listen to that. That's him. And this is me. And this is sports. Okay, there's been a lot of stuff going on. Uh, obviously, the playoffs are happening. Also, the Astros had fan day. Um, there's not too, too much baseball news, so we don't have to do a lot on it. But obviously, Nerd Thug Radio, Houston-based sports show, so obviously we'll, t- we'll mention it. It was fan day. The Astros still haven't hired a general manager, although Jeff Bagwell is the only person who spoke for the team at the media stuff for fan day. He's been like de facto general manager. And uh, Jose Abreu was the big free agent signing this offseason for them. And he made a statement through a translator where he thanked the owners and Jeff Bagwell. By name, that's what you that's what you want. Yeah. So, allegedly, there's like a brain trust of people helping the Astros make decisions while they look for their general manager. Uh, however, the person they keep putting at the forefront is Jeff Bagwell. So... I don't know. Take from that what you will. Jeff Bagwell was always an interesting character uh, in baseball. He kind of dodged the steroid era allegations because his injuries crept up right when people started to look for the steroid kind of numbers. Um, But he did have that sort of-esque build. And immediately after baseball started caring about steroids is when his numbers basically just... Stopped. Um, and he had just yeah. like amazingly debilitating shoulder injury after that. So then it was just like he never really came back. He pinch hit in that World Series that we got embarrassed in, though. The Astros. No, I good, didn't play in the World us. Series. Good for us. I'm glad that he's doing well and that he's the kind of weird face of the organization as of right now. Yeah, it's sort of like a weird unofficial thing because obviously we have an owner. Uh, but we don't have like a designated executive leader. And there's clearly some sort of communication barrier between Dusty Baker and Jeff Bagwell. Um, if you ever saw the movie Moneyball, there was kind of that riff between the Brad Pitt character and the general manager where like you build the team, I played the team kind of a thing. Uh, I really feel like that's probably how Dusty Baker feels. Like, I'll feel the, the best team possible out of the roster you give me. To be fair, we've had a really great roster, so it's it's not very hard. However, there are a couple times when Dusty Baker does some questionable stuff based on feel and gut and instinct. Uh, there was a little bit of a difference of opinion on uh, Bradley's coming back from injury. And Jeff Bagwell's like, yeah, he'll be ready to go start of the season. And Dusty Baker's like, uh, I'm not sure. I don't even think he's hitting yet, so I'm not sure when he'll be ready to go. A little bit of a different answer, but you know. Uh, I mean, listen, they could both be right. The start of the season's still a little ways off. He may not be hitting and still be expected to play the beginning of the season. But if I am the manager and I know somebody's not hitting, maybe I do say I don't know. Because until they get into a box and start swinging a bat, you you, you don't know. So, like, in a, in a totally reasonable world, it's possible they're both 100% accurate in their statements. 
However, in a we-don't-have-stuff-to-talk-about world, we could spend 10 minutes on the fact that they're not talking. You know, always a good sign in professional organizations when people don't talk to each other. That's great. Yeah, because, like, ideally you would want one, so... There's there's a very strong confidence behind the unified voice. There is. Okay, all right. So I was going to use this example, and I don't want to get crazy political about it, but... People complain that Joe Biden doesn't talk to the media enough, but they're basing it on the fact that for the last four years, Donald Trump would tweet every 30 minutes. But the differences are when Donald Trump would do that, like his press secretary would get stuck. Like Sarah Huckabee Sanders half the time didn't know what what had just been tweeted. So there was like a, a chaos effect in the communication from what is essentially one entity, the White House. Then on the flip side... They just have a press secretary, and honestly, I don't actually like her that much. I think she's kind of sort of, eh, eh, I'm not great. Um, but no one else speaks, just her. And I think that that, I think either one of them looks more organized and is probably how you want an organization to run. Like, your job is to speak to the press. It's not everyone's job to speak to the press. But... It does open the door for the other criticisms, right? Like, so, I mean, I guess it's, how do you, do you want to sit around and complain that the New England Patriots don't talk to the media, or do you want to talk about a team like the Astros who have three different people who give you three different answers? It's like, I don't know, but I'll think about it. <laughs> right, yeah, like, it's, it is, it's like uh, six of six of one, half dozen of another, right? So there's, there's, there's easy ways to complain and make hay out of either one, uh, Personally, you would probably want your organization to be more tightly run than wildly unknown. But with the Astros' success comes the excess rope where you can kind of let these things play out because they have they clearly have winning in their recent history. Right. It's really hard to blame someone and be like, hey, I know you just won the literally best thing you could do, but uh, I might want to tighten their ship up a little bit. It's like... Okay, whatever, dude. Yeah, it's kind of hard to be critical at that point, right? Like, it's kind of hard to go, oh, okay, all right, all right, but let's 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 keep winning. Like, yeah, yeah. no joke. That was our yeah. We were gonna do that anyway. Like, like we already did it once. So we'll do it again. Yeah, we'll do it a third time. We'll do it as many times as we feel like, and then that's when it all falls apart. But it is, it's hard to kind of corner someone coming off of it. Like, this is the this is the honeymoon. This is what you. This is what winning a World Series gets you. Like, a year or two of, like, okay, do whatever you want. It's cool. And then, as it turns, you'll look up at some point and go, oh. Oh. But not yet. Well, anyways. <laughs> yeah. Not yet. And, um, yeah. Also, this weekend, some NFL playoffs happened. Uh... NFL- one of my favorite things ever is the fact that Jacksonville just didn't get, couldn't keep the streak alive. Well, listen, this was a this was a game that looked like it was getting out of hand, and then Patrick Mahomes got hurt, which may have been the best thing that could have happened for the Jaguars to stay close. But even then, they weren't necessarily that close. It was actually. It was 17-27 early, about midway th- through the fourth. And actually, before that, it was it was 17-10. to 
because Jacksonville scores 10 points in the fourth quarter. So coming into the fourth quarter, the Chiefs are up 17 points. So that's even with Patrick Mahomes coming out of the game in the second quarter. Uh, uh, You know, their backup led them 98 yards on a touchdown drive, Chad Henney. So there was a Henney sighting out there, if that doesn't blow your mind. And even hurt, Patrick Mahomes still looked very Patrick Mahoney. Uh, The touchdown pass late in the fourth quarter that he threw, where he kind of just does this weird soft arm lob to the backside of the end zone. There's just a way about him where he just is kind of magic. It's like he's talented or something. It's it's like he knows what he's doing. Um, the Jaguars. I want to. We'll get into them a little bit later because I want to pull up a stat about Peterson. I, Coach Peterson, with the Eagles, won the Super Bowl his first or second year, I think. And then very quickly after that, the losses started to pile up against him. I feel like he gets the best out of his teams early, and then over time his system grinds on people. So people are kind of saying like, oh, you know, next year is the year that... Year three is usually when quarterbacks take that big kind of final leap into full-on preparation mode. And then they kind of... By year three, they kind of are who they are, is generally the consensus. Uh, and so people are saying that Trevor Lawrence next year, he'll go. The team will do as well as he develops. Is basically what they're saying. I'm kind of curious to see what happens with how Doug Peterson himself keeps the team together. But their offseason started a little bit earlier than they would have liked. The Chiefs did send them home. Um. Uh, you know, after after just an absolute magic, uh, coming from like third place or not even third place, like fourth place in the division. At one to, point, the Jaguars were at the very early in the season. They were at the very bottom of the division, and then they they have slowly, and they, we beat them won, very early lost, too. Like they went like one and what four or something like that early, S- something like that, and then just just kept winning, and then went on the absolute tear. This last season, and honestly, had one of the biggest comebacks the week prior against uh, the Chargers. One of the funniest games of all time. Well, when people talk about emotional letdown, that's what they talk about, too. Like, it took everything they had to get through the Chargers, and then, oh, next week you play the Chiefs. Like, it's, in some ways, the playoffs are unfair, yeah. It's the playoffs. It's not going to get easier. It's like, yeah, that might have taken everything out of you, but... You still got you still got four more games if you win. <laughs> yeah, good news, and that's sort of the unfortunate truth about playing the playoffs. Is like, all right, now it gets tougher, um, and that's and that's kind of what happens, right? It's so like the Giants get ran into the Eagles. The Giants played the Minnesota Vikings, and it was like a it was like a heavyweight fight. Well, the Eagles are way better than the Vikings, and it kind of showed throughout. This was a really kind of. Uh, it was a really boring game to watch because the Eagles essentially just took it over. Very quickly took it over and it never it never changed from there. There wasn't a time when the when the Giants were ever threatening really at all. Early turnovers, uh just mistakes. It's just, sometimes you just get to that point where it's just 
you know you're outclassed. Yeah, and then it, it gets hard to kind of focus, and then like you're kind of start looking at the clock, like is this over yet? Um, for the Giants, listen, this was sort of a magic season. They weren't expected to do anything, so to get to nine and seven and one, to get in and, and get and do anything in this playoff run was kind of impressive. Um, so uh, the win against the Vikings is just icing on the cake for them. And I think they have a long way to go. I think they, I think they're a team on the rise up. Now, part of that's going to depend on what they do about Saquon Barkley and what they do about Daniel Jones. Those are two choices they've got to get made pretty quick because you can only tag one of them. They had declined Daniel Jones's option uh, because I think at the beginning of the year they were basically saying we'll go through this year and if we don't like him, we can send him home. Uh, he played well this year. He played well. They used him differently. They used him to run a lot more than he'd been running in the past. Um, and that helped them because it kind of hides how bad your line is. It kind of hides some of the deficiencies in the running game. So uh, now I don't know how you, I don't know the structure of the deal that brings them back. I don't think they want to. I don't think they want to invest a ton of money into him. I think they're willing to give him a pay bump, um, but I'm not picturing anything like the 250 million, 300 million dollar deals that everyone else is getting. I'm picturing more along the lines of like two or three years, twenty or thirty million dollars a year, um, which would you know it'd be more than if they drafted another quarterback, but it would also still be less than if they were paying a Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes. Kyler Murray type, um, but they've got to get the they've got to get that figured out pretty quick because they've got to figure out Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones. I imagine they'll see they'll take care of Saquon Barkley first, and then pivot to Daniel Jones. But maybe not. I don't know. They've got to but they've got to get that figured out this offseason pretty quick. The Eagles, uh, that was the other Saturday night game, so the Eagles got to afterwards sit back and watch. The Sunday night game, which was Cowboys 49ers, to find out who they played. Uh, before we get into that, the Bengals and the Bills played Sunday day. And the Bengals, they they really kind of... It was a beating on the Bills. They really sort of showed the Bills up in Buffalo. The Bengals are playing with a little bit of magic here. They have won the last three against the Chiefs including two in Arrowhead Stadium, which they'll be back in next weekend. And now with this win against Buffalo, I think they've beaten Buffalo two times in a row also. They're just they're just playing hot. <laughs> this is this is who you you this is what you want to be doing at this point in the year. The team playing the hottest football in the playoffs is always kind of your it's always kind of my mental favorite to win. And right now the Bengals are playing that kind of special hot football that I, that we're talking about. We're like, early in the year, they, they really looked like the team that was going to suffer the Super Bowl hangover. And then midway through the year, they kind of just started. Said, oh, wait, we just got there. We need to win it this time. And right. Cranked it up. And they, they really started kind of fighting their way through a very complicated AFC North and then they wind up being the only one with the playoff berth out of everybody. Uh, so, uh, well, no, I guess the Ravens were in it last week. I forgot about that, but it was definitely a, 
I mean, it was an impressive win. They they looked dominating. It looked like Buffalo couldn't get. They just couldn't figure out how to get off the field on defense, and it just looks like they couldn't figure out how to do anything downfield offensively. They couldn't, for whatever reason, Cincinnati was just really able to slow them down offensively, which Buffalo hasn't had to deal with a lot. I mean, they're 13-3. and three. Like, they, they have been winning easy football games for a lot of the years. And all of a sudden, this game was just tougher sledding than they seemed prepared to play. It was kind of interesting. Um, I was a little surprised by Buffalo, by Buffalo losing. I really felt like Cincinnati... I really thought at some point Cincinnati would just run out of gas in these last few weeks because they've ever since the the Demar Hamlin stuff uh, four weeks ago, they've kind of just been so in the national spotlight that I really thought at some point they would stumble, but they're just really mentally well put together, I guess, and it's been kind of impressive. Just fortitude. I think they're just turning it on. They they put on the the. The, the the little the little stunner shades that Joe Burrow likes uh, going to town. <laughs> I think what's interesting is I think Joe Burrow is just as much that guy as Patrick Mahomes and in, in, uh, and Jared Allen are. Um, and I, and I think he. I think he feels a little slighted having all these conversations about Lamar Allen and Patrick Mahomes and Allen and, and, and Lamar Jackson and, and Allen and just all these different guys. And I feel like he keeps going and me. And when he hears the list and when he hears people talk, nobody says in Joe Burrow. And I think that that, I think while in Cincy, he has earned the respect of the team and they, they like his swagger. I think that there's a lot of I think his antenna is up and he notices that he doesn't get the national love he thinks he deserves. And I think I think that's pretty true. I mean, considering he like he walked all the way to the Super Bowl guys, it's not like he didn't do that by accident. <laughs> yeah. You got to think like okay, we talk about Aaron Rodgers, we talk about Tom Brady, um, we still talk about the Manning brothers because of the way they kind of stay relevant in the NFL. We're talking about Patrick Mahomes. We're talking about Lamar Jackson. We're talking about Jared Allen. This offseason, we were even talking about Deshaun Watson because of the trade, and then he came back. Like, there was all these other quarter... Jalen Hurts, the rise of Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia. There's all these... Is Dak Prescott the future? Um, he, is Purdy going to be the answer in San Francisco? Is You know, like, there's just... There's just all these different stories, and none of them are ever about Joe Burrow. And I think that that, I think he's ready to kind of make people go, "Oh yeah, and him." They they hating on a brother because he be winning, but he is winning twelve and four. That's what I'm saying. He's winning. He's winning. So because I think he was the only he was up for that that crazy title. Was it? There's only ever been a few players in the NFL who's ever won in Heisman and then immediately won in a Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it was really his, I think it's his third year in the league last year, second year in the league maybe. 
God, he blew his knee his rookie year, I think. So, yeah, I mean, it is kind of a... Look, man, I, I really thought Buffalo was going to the Super Bowl this year. So I'm impressed by this win. And watching the game, I was impressed by how they're... Cincinnati like was up fourteen nothing really quick and like never let Buffalo back into the game. At halftime, it's seventeen seven. By the end of the third, it's it's twenty four to ten. Like there's never a moment where you're like, okay, well Buffalo's not out of this, out of it. Like it's like no, nah, they're pretty much out of it, dog. Yeah, there was you were looking for those signs of life and you never really saw them. It was snowing also. That didn't necessarily help Buffalo. I really felt like somehow. The snow seemed to help Cincy more because I think it slowed Buffalo down just a step. Whereas I think on a neutral field, Buffalo is on defense and offense both a slightly is slightly faster than Cincy. I think it, it, it didn't matter because of the snow. They took the environmental debuff and they they couldn't stop them. They really couldn't and. Uh, yeah, Joe Mixon, I mean, was a monster. 100 yards off of 20 carries. Like, just big chunk plays over and over and over. Just gut punches. You just don't win those, unfortunately. No, I mean, so it was It was a really good game for, for Cincinnati. If you're, if you're a Bengals fan, you're excited going into this Chiefs-Bengals game. And Joe Burrow gave the spiciest short answer to a question. So, if you recall, because of the DeMar Hamlin game cancellation, blah, 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 it had been announced that if the Chiefs-Bills game happened, it would be at a neutral field in Atlanta. Cincinnati heard that tickets were already on sale for that game before they took the field Sunday. Their feelings got a little hurt about that. When asked about it after the game, Joe Burrow said they better get their refunds. That's true. <laughs> they should. I love it because it's it's just spicy enough to let you know how he really feels. Yeah, because it's like all oh, people already planning on it. Yeah. Oh. Oh. We're not gonna be there. Oh. Okay. All right. They're already setting up their. Okay. All right. See. Look. And and what I said happened. I I said this uh, a while ago on uh, our uh, on our other show where uh, the guy who the guy who made this neutral field agreement feels like the smartest person ever because it never happened. Right. So now he just looks like a really good planner. Yeah, Roger Goodell. Yeah, good job, guys. Yeah, he just looks brilliant now because like we didn't need it, but we had it just in case. No, you're right, and and I'm sure this off season when they talk about everything and they go over how they handled this, they'll say some really positive things about it. They'll be like, oh yeah, we nailed that. But I don't. I mean, they really didn't. I mean, I, I just, from top to bottom, I don't think, I can't imagine they can see this as a victory at all. Um, the final game is really the one that we're going to focus on here. Brock Purdy never made the big mistake, stayed calm, cool, and collected, and San Francisco 49ers beat the Dallas Cowboys 19-12. to um, Other than a slight... Time error by Elijah Mitchell late in the game. The, the 49ers really laid out a, a, a mistake-free game against the Dallas Cowboys. And the Dallas Cowboys, uh, Dak Prescott had two interceptions. Um, I don't know just, why he's not in the Pro Bowl. 
Yeah, it's just the greatest guy ever. Um, this is this is like the worst thing that could happen to the Cowboys because they had such a dominant win last week and then such a frustrating loss this week that like you don't know if they're good or not. There's no, I mean, where do you hang your hat if you're if you're like if you're a Cowboys fan, you're like, yeah, we crushed it last week, and it's like, yeah, yeah, great. You beat Tampa Bay, who, by the way, out of 18 games, only won eight. They were eight. They were eight and ten after the uh, Super Bowl, after after the round of playoffs last week. It's Brady. We beat Brady. That's what they're going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They beat Brady. They beat Brady. They beat Brady. They beat a bad Tampa Bay team who won six games in a bad division and then stole two games somewhere else, right? Like, and one of those games was against the Cowboys at the beginning of the year. So, you don't know anything, Corey. They beat Brady. <laughs> well, and listen, they did beat Brady. So like, if if that's what they want to say, they can say that, and they can hang their hat on beating 40-year-old Tom Brady, and that's fine. They then go out, and then they then... Like, Tampa Bay felt like a team who made the playoffs and then was like, okay, we're done, right? And then someone's like, no, you have to play the game. And they went, oh, oh. But the 49ers are a team who are on their third quarterback and still are staring directly at the Super Bowl like they're supposed to be there. Um, Brock Purdy has only won games. He is, I think, 6-0 and now as a starting quarterback. Oh, man. What a legend. Uh, like, it's funny. So they were teasing the... <laughs> They said this at the start of the broadcast at the Cowboys 49ers game. They made a joke that like, oh, I'm only kidding, but um, you know, we're getting ready to start the docu series about him here any day now, blah blah blah. And this is like if Brock Purdy were to win the Super Bowl. That's two more wins away. There's absolutely no way there wouldn't be a 30 for 30 about it. Oh, 100%. They're, what, do, what do they call him? Mr. Irrelevant or whatever? Yeah, Mr. Irrelevant. He was the very last person taken in this year's draft. That's a They call that title every year, and most Mr. Irrelevants are out of the league within the first couple months of the draft, within a few months of the draft. Brock Purdy stuck around. A couple things that make his story a little more interesting is he started all four years in college at Iowa State. So... For him personally, he feels like he's comfortable as a starting quarterback. And Iowa State doesn't run like the crazy spread stuff that some guys do, so he can't take snaps under center and stuff like that. So while I'm not saying he's ready for the pros, he at least is familiar with offense and is comfortable making decisions on the field. Uh, and they were talking about how Kyle Shanahan even said when he comes off the field you know, making mistakes, when we talk about him, like, oh, what were you seeing? What did you see? When he gives an answer, it's it's logical. So it isn't like, a, oh, I just didn't see the guy. It's like, a, oh, I thought we were both running on inside, so he but he cut out and I still left it on inside. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, I got that. Okay, that makes sense. Um, and so there's there's a little bit of like he's confident in himself, and he's comfortable. 
as a starting quarterback in the NFL. That's not something a lot of rookies can say. Right, which is kind of a weird paradox situation to be in. Yeah, because he's just rolling. He's got no issues here. He's just rolling. Now, he does have the luxury, and I don't mean this to take away from him because he should be... What he's doing is impressive regardless, but he's in like the best situation a quarterback could ever be in because behind him is one of the best running backs in the NFL, Christian McCaffrey. Running routes for him is Samuel Debo, who's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. And at the tight end position, he's got one of the best tight ends in football. And they've built a good offensive line. There's just there's a lot of talent around him. Even the fullback they use is one of the better ones. They have built a very good roster because they were trying to hand this team over to Trey Lance, and it never happened. Then Jimmy G comes in, and Jimmy G's winning games. Then Jimmy G goes out, and Brock Purdy comes in, and Brock Purdy's winning games. This is really the first time you can have the conversation like, what does it mean to be a system quarterback? Because it's pretty obvious the 49ers have just built a team so good that even if maybe you're not the best quarterback, you can still expect success. Now, who knows? We might find out five years from now Brock Purdy is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, but six games in, he's 6-0. and and he looks comfortable, and he looks confident, and he's putting the ball where it's supposed to go, and I don't think there's anything else you need to really say about a quarterback because he's doing it in the playoffs. Right, and I think that, you know, with, with experience comes, you know, he gets, you know, he's, he, as this moves on to the next year, you're really going to get that definite test of, like, is he going to stay this good, or are people going to figure him out, or is he going to keep improving? Well, and here's the scary part. San Francisco might not even keep him as their starter. Keep in Which mind, is, he's the third-string quarterback on this roster this year. Yeah. So this, I mean, like, this guy could potentially win a Super Bowl, and then the, the 49ers could still turn around and go, hey, Trey Lance, you're our starter. Dad, imagine, imagine winning the Super Bowl and then getting replaced immediately after that. I, I got to think you at least are, are like, able to compete for the job. But San Francisco's kind of been dead set on trying to give Trey Lance this job for two years now. It just hasn't worked out. Um, So I'm not sure. I really don't know. Uh, Now, Jimmy Garoppolo won't be there next year. He worked out his deal with them when they brought him back. Remember, they were going to trade him all offseason, if you remember. And Jimmy Garoppolo was like, practicing on practice fields away from the team. They didn't give them the new playbook because they were like, you won't be on our final 53. Uh, they never could get a trade done, so at the very last minute, they changed his contract up. They tore up the last year of his old one. They made a new deal with him. All these bonuses and incentives, and he wound up hitting a bunch of them because Trey Lance got hurt. But part of the deal on his end was that he doesn't want to be franchised anymore, and they either... He can re-sign with them, but it's but it's going to be a willing contract, not a franchise, not a tag. So, more than likely, he won't be there next year. So, Brock Purdy, at the very worst, is probably the number two guy next year. <coughs> but, why are we even saying that? Because we still got two more weeks of football, or three more weeks of football, and he's still playing. He's still going. <laughs> Still going. 
Um, yeah, so the Eagles and the 49ers will meet. The Chiefs and the Bengals will meet. Let's see. I don't remember who's got who and who's got what. Let's see here. Clicking the old schedule button now. So this will be the conference championships. I believe the Chiefs will be hosting the Bengals. And I guess Philly's the one seed. So San Francisco will be going to Philadelphia. Um, so Saturday... No, it shouldn't be a Saturday game. It should both be on Sunday now. Let's see here. Yeah, there you go. Both games are on Sunday. San Francisco at Philly is going to be the 2 p.m. Fox game. And then Cincinnati at Kansas City will be the 5.30 CBS game. So there you go. That'll be exciting. Absolutely brutal. Uh, We're going to get into picks and all that uh, this week uh, on the Friday show. But... The betting on the Kansas City-Cincinnati game has been nuts. So the lines come out within like five or ten minutes after a game is set, okay? Because it's the NFL. So about ten minutes after Cincinnati beats Buffalo, the line is out for Cincinnati at Kansas City. And at that time, depending on who you're betting with, it was minus one or minus one and a half. Uh, in favor of Kansas City. So Kansas City minus one and a half or Kansas City minus one. The betting has been so wild on this game that the line has moved over and it's now in favor of Cincinnati. That doesn't surprise me. It's now minus one Cincinnati. Yeah, I mean, it's still close. This is basically just a tiny Super Bowl. Yeah, well, this is... Well, and, and San Fran and Philly are good teams too, so that's not totally fair, but it is an exciting matchup. More importantly, it's a pick'em game, which is interesting because what do I always say with the first thing we mention on the spreads? The home team is getting three points. They're not doing that this time. Nope. So they are saying, regardless of where they play, which almost means that if Kansas City was in Cincinnati... Like, would Cincinnati get four points over Kansas City? That I couldn't tell you. Maybe. Possibly. I mean, the team is doing really hot right now. Well, and Cincinnati is... And they've beaten them before. That's right. They've beaten them the last three times they've played. So this version of Cincinnati with Joe Burrow as the quarterback is, I believe, undefeated against Kansas City. So that's a really that's a really tough sell because you're gonna be like, you're going into a, a slightly injured Mahomes into a absolutely brutal Cincinnati that has beat you three years in a row. Yeah, so that would probably be a four point game. That's probably it. Now this is Cincinnati coming into Kansas City, and Cincinnati is still a one point favorite, uh, which means you have the rare playoff home underdog. I mean, these are the guys that made it. It's very rare that the one seed is the playoff home underdog. And typically it's an injury. 
Now, and Patrick Mahomes is banged up. It's a high ankle sprain, but the conversation is that he's going to play no matter what. I mean, he finished the game, so. But uh, yeah, hence why I said slightly injured. Yeah. He's not at top performance. Slightly injured is probably the best way to say that. That's probably I was trying to think of like a. That's probably the best way to say it. Um. So yeah, he's slightly injured. And then you got San Francisco at Philadelphia to start it. That's going to be the harder game. To me, that's, I don't know, these are both pick em games, really. Like, I don't know that you could get it wrong either way. We'll break those games. We're going to break those matchups down uh, later this week. We won't spend too much more time on it. Um, not it not exciting, this episode. Though. This is probably the most exciting game. Yeah, this is a, this is a very exciting uh, set, of, set of games, though. San Fran and Philly, I have no idea who's going to win. And then Cincy at Kansas City, and I have no idea who's going to win. So I, I am intrigued. I am excited. These are four really good teams playing really good football. Uh, I always make fun of Kyle Shanahan. I call him overrated, and I and I do think he's overrated. But I think when he has, you know, the best offensive playmakers playing in the league. I think he's creative, and I think what he does is uh, exciting. So it's hard to judge what that offense will look like. Like, they can do a lot of things. And they were doing them against Dallas. Dallas's defense was just so fast that even if they got it wrong in the beginning, they could still stop you from getting a bunch of yards against them. Um, there was just a lot of – it was – Dallas's defensive speed overall is impressive. I don't know how long they'll be able to keep that unit together the way they're built right now. But they were just so fast. Like a lot of a lot of the stuff that works for San Francisco is that when you guess wrong on what the play is trying to do and then they go to the other thing, you're not fast enough to make up the mistake. But their guys can just fly across the field. Like it just and they still lost, so <laughs> Um, and they still lost. I and think that's they the still brutal lost. part. Yeah, and that's the reality. Like they they were at least able to keep up and keep up with the I, I almost want to call it like a counter punch offense. Like they show you a power run to the right and instead they toss it to like the streaking wide receiver on the outside or a screen to the tight end or something on the weak side of the play. And then they have two offensive linemen blocking and the tight end going downfield. But the bulk of your defense is on the other half of the field and is not going to make it before George Kittle runs 20 yards down. You know what I mean? Like, that's a lot of what they do is misdirection. Yeah. But the Dallas defense is just so fast that even if they're lined up on the wrong side of the field for it, when you throw it to the tight end, they just, everyone just converges so quickly to them that you're just like, oh, well, okay, that didn't do what I thought it was going to do there. So it was kind of interesting to see because the trick to the San Francisco offense is don't guess. Like, don't guess, don't react. Just do whatever's in front of you. Like, do your job. But that's the hardest thing on the world for a defensive player to do because part of what makes efficiency is it's almost like guessing what the plays are but doing it with the level of accuracy. And you can't do that against San Fran. You just have to flat foot react. And so that was what was impressive about their defense this weekend was that Dallas's defense was keeping up. But again, it wasn't enough. 12 to 19, Brock Purdy wins his, I think, I believe it's a sixth game in a row. Um, 
I don't know who told who did who forgot to tell this kid that it's hard to play football in the NFL because he's acting like he didn't get the memo. He said, "No, nah, it's fine. I just play right." Yeah, I just keep throwing the ball, and like he doesn't. There's no swag to him about it at all. There's no element of like, yeah, you know, yeah. As much as as much as like someone like uh, Joe Burrow is like, like he's got his like style and he's like got like the swagger of like, oh, I'm the new kid in town who's like tearing stuff up. Like, (laughs) Purdy's over here like, man, I really enjoy playing the football. You know, well, like they were trying to get him to say anything kind of exciting before the game. Aaron Andrews. Just doing these pregame interviews and just trying to get anything out of him. And he's like, yeah, it's just an honor to be out here playing and, you know, take it one game at a time. And it's just my job not to make mistakes, blah, blah, blah. Like, he's the true god in country football we've all been waiting for. Yeah, he's 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 Tom Brady 2.0 in that sense of, like, always says the right thing, already is nailing the interviews, and is focusing on, oh, well, it's just important to make sure I'm there to help, you know, be in the right place at the right time so that my teammates can can win. I'm just trying not to be the reason we lose, kind of like real kind of, you know, I'm not I'm not a big deal kind of answer. But the flip side of that is just how excited his team is about him. Like George Kittle after the game, Aaron Andrews was like, okay, George, you say something nice about Brock Purdy because Brock Purdy won't say anything nice about himself. George Kittle you know, was was thrilled to talk five minutes really nice about Brock Purdy and just be like, yeah, this guy's great. Like, it's awesome to play with him. And that's sort of the... For a rookie to get it in that sense that they're like, okay, like, it's better when they say nice... It's better if I can get them to say nice things than if I say the nice things about myself. And so... Yeah. There's, yeah, there's he feels definitely like the benefit real deal. to being like, I'm awesome. But when other people are like, no, he's great... <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. When you don't have to say it and everyone else is like falling over themselves to be like, no, no, Brock Purdy's good. Like, that's a good feeling. That is a good feeling. And listen, this is I, someone in when we were dealing with the sports writers and all that in the Discord server one time, we we're talking about winning and losing. And someone was like, winning builds chemistry. And I said, no, 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 no. Winning hides flaws. Um, what builds chemistry, I think, is is wanting to win for the people around you. I'll give you an example. Uh, In Philly, they're crushing the Giants, okay? Well, at one point on the sidelines, the receiver, Brown, is just upset because they haven't really gotten him the ball all game. It's not enough that they're going to the division round of the playoffs. It's not enough that they're stomping a division rival in the Giants. It's not enough that they're winning a division round of the playoffs. It's not enough that they're going to a conference round of the playoffs. Jalen Brown's upset because he didn't get his get the, the catches he wanted. That is a flaw, and winning doesn't cover that. Um, that's a defect, right? Like, that's an issue. Meanwhile, in San Francisco, they're going out of their ways to say nice things about a guy who doesn't want to say nice things about himself. And I think that's sort of like the different... That's the 180 right there. Right. Sore winners versus, like, genuine companionship. Right, like, guys who are just thrilled to be in it together versus guys who are like, I didn't get my six catches? What do I care if we want? Like, this is a waste of my time this week. Like, yeah, calm down. Calm down. He is a, he is a monster, though. Like, he's a great receiver. But you don't want to see it on the sidelines pouting when they're up 20. Like, come on, man. We can't be up 27. It'd look too bad. <laughs> well, I mean, listen, you you don't think the coaches want all the points they can get? Like, of course they would love for you to have more. It just is what it is. 
you're winning a big game, like just take the win. Like, and the situation's so great. You're putting the Giants to bed uh, in the in the division round of the playoffs, like on prime television. Like, this is everything you want if you're a Philadelphia Eagle. Unless you're it's selfish, enough. it's never enough. It's never enough. Um, yeah, man, that could really be true. We want to thank everybody for listening. We're going to remind everybody to check out The Adventure Begins, comics, games, and more right there on 1488. They're an awesome store. There's all kinds of great stuff there. That's where Nico and I get our nerd stuff all the time. More importantly, on the second floor, they have The Adventure Begins Stadium. It is their sports-affiliated little store in a store. It's awesome. All kinds of great sign stuff. All Tons and tons and tons of packages of the cards. All the different sports, including wrestling, including AEW cards, and all kinds of other stuff. All kinds of signed memorabilia as well. Signed jerseys. Uh, if you're looking for it, they've got it. And if they don't got it, they'll get it for you because it's the Adventure Begins Stadium. Right there on 1488, right there in Conroe. Go ahead and check them out. Spend some time, spend some money. They're great people. They're totally worth it. We just did the birthday event with them this last weekend. We had a lot of fun. Uh, all right. All that being said, I want to thank you for listening to the brand new Back At It Again, Nerd Thug Sports as always, I'm Corey DLG, and with me, as usual, little brother Nico. Go ahead and click subscribe on that Spotify, and uh, keep getting notified as we keep posting new content for you all the time. On the Facebook page, we got cosplayers of the day, artists of the day, kickstarters, all kinds of great stuff. Just come hang out with us all day long, Nerd Thug Radio. Thanks for listening, guys. 